welcome to episode 446 of the Connected Podcast from Relay FM. I still do not know how to introduce this show. My name is Mike Hurley. This episode is brought to you by Fitbod and Electric, and I'm joined by Federico Vatici. Ciao, Federico. Ciao, Mike. Uh, I like the intro, the Connected yeah. Podcast from Relay FM. Like, yeah, it felt very professional. Hmm. Okay. I, I like it. I like okay. it. Uh, professional but not too serious yes this one it's just not in my flow right the discord's Mm. already calling me out that like you know you used to host this show every single week you host other shows like those intros they're just like i don't even think about them right like when i'm doing the intro for upgrade the intro for the pen addict that that's just flowing out of me like there's no thought going into that it's just all going off the dome for this show, it's like it's not normal for me, right, to, to have everything ready for Connected all the time. Like, I don't know how it goes, and so sometimes this is how it goes. Well, I think it's because we do the rotation thing. Exactly. So it's like I'm not used to it. And also, I'm usually surprised by the introduction. I forget that I'm even doing it, and then everyone goes silent for a second, and then I'm supposed to start speaking. It's very strange. Yes, yes. Not a fan. Well, you, you did a good job. Thank today. you so much. Yes. Uh, no Stephen today. He's mm-hmm. taking the episode off. Should we instruct people to do anything, or should we have them leave him alone? Um, I don't know. Leave him. Don't leave him alone. Don't um, leave him alone. No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, so typically, we've asked. Uh, so we used to ask people to tweet at Stephen. We cannot ask that anymore. Nope. Uh, so uh, what do you say? Uh, post re- reply. Write. Write to Stephen. Send a, ma- send a a a, mast, a, a, a public a mas- post a public on Mastodon. Mas- yes, yes. With I got this. I got this. Send a public Mastodon post to Stephen with the first Mac, the the, the name of the first the, the the name of the model of the first Mac you got and in which year. So, for example, I would say uh, MacBook Pro two thousand and eight. So, you know, tell Stephen what was your first Mac and when. What I would like as an addendum to that is I think this would be more confusing to him is if you put the year in like parentheses. Oh, yes. yes. Because that will look like a model year, yes. right? So yes. Stephen is ismh at ismh on eworld.social. So yes. you can go find him. And you just send him the name of the first Mac that you mm-hmm. owned, used, whatever. Or just like the name of the first Mac. Like you interpret that however you like. And mm-hmm. then put the year that you first used or owned this Mac, but put it in parentheses, please. We yes. Like so for ex- to give you some examples, I would do MacBook Pro, parentheses, 2008. Yeah. And I would be like iMac 2005. I think it was 2005. Yes. But you got to use the parentheses so we can yes. confuse Steven to an extent. iMac. Parentheses 2005. Mm-hmm. Close parentheses. We call yes. them brackets in England. You, I know. I know. What you do call you call them? them? Parentheses. In Italian? In Italian parentheses. Well, oh. in, so, see, in Italian, in Italian, um, so in Italian is parentheses, which is mm. like the same word without the, 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 the letter S at the end. Mm-hmm. But what's weird about how we call them in Italian is that uh, all kinds of brackets, we say uh, it's a type of parenthesis. So, for example, uh, the square bracket is a square parenthesis, and the curly bracket is a curly parenthesis. So it's parenthesis, parenthesis quadra, and parenthesis graffa. 
Right, but as you can imagine, we say brackets, square brackets, curly brackets. Oh, nice. Okay. So you use a different word, but the same uh, yeah. semantic approach. Okay. But I don't think that's nice. how it is in America, right? They say square bracket, no. right? They don't say square parentheses. They should, though. No, they should. But Square parentheses, know. curly parentheses. Curly parentheses, yes. That would be nice. I like um, it. Mm-hmm. Follow-up time. Follow-up. Okay. So Paul in the Discord found the car brochure that was sitting on top of that pile of brochures that Steve Jobs had in his office. Mm-hmm. So it was in like a basket. Oh, my God. And he found it. It was for the Mercedes E-Class, which to ha. me feels like the most 2005 vehicle that oh any my human God, being could yes. have ever owned. Oh, my God. I, I used to see this car Everywhere. Around. Oh, my God. This is such a boring choice, Steve. But Come not on. in 2005, though. Like, mm. back then, this was like the car, like the Mercedes yeah. E-Class. Also, this guy's suit needs some tailoring on this front page. Oh, my, yes. He looks like he's just wearing a cardboard box. Man, look at that sleeve. (laughs) Yeah, this guy needs... He has some serious tailoring work to be done. I don't know if this is like a 2005 thing or not, but like... Maybe it was the fashion back then? Maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, because so was this car, and the car looks like it could do with some tailoring too, so... How did Paul find the car brochure like of all of this like the car is so boring but the workflow for finding this is what fascinates me here so i i don't steven put this in the show notes so i can't find the exact message but i i did see it go by and paul said that they were able to search like a database of this information interesting there is like a car brochure database somewhere in the world um (laughs) of course there is (laughs) uh, of course okay and they found it that way. Um, but I don't know how, like, the process of, like, how they found it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because there's still quite a lot of work that would have needed to be done, you would assume, to be able to match it up. Maybe they worked out it was a Mercedes or something. Maybe Paul had a 2005 Mercedes-Benz E-Class at some point in their life and they were able yeah, maybe, to. Maybe Paul just saw the brochure and said, yeah, that used to be my car. Exactly. I remember that. Yeah, we, we can't know. Okay, interesting. It's from Auto Brochure. Oh, that's like the website that we're linked to, autobrochures.com. Like that's what's oh, in the show notes. Oh, that's the database. That's the database of old car brochures. I found it in, uh, in Discord, and they give absolutely zero information more as to how they mm. found this. So that could be future follow-up for the show. You could write in and tell us how you found it. You know, mm-hmm. and also, uh, oh, somebody also sent into us that this yes. photo shoot of Steve Jobs's office, the one that we have all seen before, is part of a larger photo shoot that was uh, taken by Diana Walker. Yep. Um, and these, all of these images are on Getty Images. Yes. And I've got a link in the show notes to that as well. There's some interesting photos in here. There's one where he's sitting very uncomfortably in an outdoor chair. Yes. with some questionable sandals on. Yes. But there's one image <laughs> particularly, right, which okay. is an image of Steve, and he's smiling, looking at the camera, and he has his hands in that kind of yeah. praying thing. This is an incredibly famous photo, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a famous photo of yeah. Steve, yes. Yeah, I maybe. also love the one that I'm trying to paste in the Discord of um, Steve on the phone on what looks like a very ancient cell phone. 
oh, you know, the, one of those with the with the little antenna on top. Um, I assume that's a cell phone. It's either a cell phone or a cordless. No, that's a cell liner. phone. That's that's it's got a cell like phone, the though. dynamics of a cell phone. I yeah, it's like. got. The, I think you can see the battery. You can see the keypad. Uh, in the in the reflection on the window, you can see the keyboard on the phone, uh, and it's just I, I don't know I I guess it's just uh, a little bit odd to see Steve talking on an old cell phone instead of an iPhone. The whole photo shoot is weird, really, because it's like just I don't know. There's just something about seeing him do all these poses. It's just like yeah yeah. yeah. And I like that, like, you know, they're obviously in his house and really they're only in like three places. It's like outside in this one area and in the office. That's it. No more. No less. Yeah. And I was reminded while on Getty Images, while we're talking about Getty Images, I was reminded of the two greatest photos committed to of Getty course. Images in all of history. Of course. Which I was wondering about this when I put this in the show notes today. If maybe some newer listeners don't know about this. Oh, well, we should contextualize that. So this is 2018, WWDC 2018, where wow, they're showing off watchOS, whatever it is. And I, I genuinely don't know, but like this version of oh, watchOS got the podcast app. Five or six, maybe. And know. the old version of the connected artwork was used in the presentation. Yeah. Much to our surprise for the amount that it got featured. So much so that it became like the image mm-hmm. of the podcast app it was just our artwork on yeah. stage for a significant portion of the presentation, including photos of Tim Cook standing with the connected yeah. artwork, just like almost like uh Bill Gates over Steve Jobs. You know what I mean? You know that yes. that famous image. I've just I don't know if we've ever made that uh, uh link before, but looking at these images is how it feels. It's like the connected podcast is looming over Tim. Yes. Uh, and these made it to get the images and uh I bought the rights to these images and, and I have a fracture of them on, on Which is a, a very expensive Rights to it's no a joke. image. It's no joke. <laughs> uh, and there is, you know, I maybe do have uh, questions to, uh, to, uh, to ask of Getty Images about copyright because I know I didn't tell Getty Images they could take a picture of our artwork. But I think, uh, I think honestly, Apple probably uh, wins out in this one. So yeah, pro- probably. Uh, but yeah, I remember, I remember being in the audience uh, during the keynote mm-hmm. and freaking out. Uh, I, and and I believe I want to say it was. Probably the same keynote where I got both this and shortcuts yep. announced yep. Um, in 2018. So it's quite quite a day for me. This was the particularly weird one where you were in the audience, I was in a hotel room, Stephen was at home. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. that was a very strange <laughs> keynote morning yes. where this happened and none of us were together. Yeah. Yeah, and there were people texting us and mm-hmm. and t- t- telling us about it independently, and we were also freaking out in our iMessage group. Yeah, it was a, it was a good day. It was a very good day. And I know we told this story before, but like the fun thing was like two weeks before this, we were like, you know what, we should re- we should renew the artwork, like we should refresh the artwork <laughs> because it was the one of the original pieces and was maybe like on the simple side of our art. And then we we're like, well, we can't do that for a while, and then we held mm-hmm. it off for some time. Uh, and now you have the more kind of 
modern 3D colorful artwork yes. that we have today. Uh, print editions of Make Something Wonderful, the uh, Steve Jobs mm. archive book, are being listed on eBay for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Mm. Um, and I would just like to publicly call out many people, friends of mine, who have been sending me images of their books and just rubbing it in my face. I still really want one. Uh, book me looks too. great. and But, I mean, we could get one if you're willing to pay. I see one here for Buy It Now for $2,500. Would you like to... Uh... Probably not. I mean, okay. I can I can buy a new gaming PC for that money. You could. I mean, well, you could buy a lot of things for that money. You can buy a lot of things. I just thought of a gaming PC. I don't know why, but um, I mean, I would spend I don't know, couple hundred maybe to have it. I mean, there I are know. a lot of them on here, Federico, for that kind of money. But there, it's bids. If you want to do I the mean, buy it now, then then you're in, then you're in some in some trouble financially. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know why this isn't follow-up, but I still want to mention it. Um, if you're using Spotify, for a Spotify user on your iPhone, you now have the ability to pin a Spotify widget on the lock screen. Um, the funny thing is, and I actually posted about this on Mastodon, so the Spotify quote-unquote widget is literally just a Spotify icon that you can place on your lock screen, mm. and it launches the Spotify app. Mm-hmm. It does nothing else. There's, it, it, it's just an icon launcher. You can probably make your own with the other thousand icon launchers for the lock screen on the App Store. But that's still one widget more than Apple Music. So it's, it's, it, Apple Music doesn't have any widgets um, on the lock screen. Uh, Spotify has like, one, but it's very sad. You? Like, well, th- this I mean, is why there isn't an Apple Music widget on the lock screen. Because, like, what is that? Who needs this? Well, well, okay. So this is so this is boring and unnecessary. But still, you can get creative with these widgets. I mean, I don't know. Make a widget that yes, make a widget that opens a playlist for me. Make a widget that opens I don't know an album or a section of of. Apple they would music. tell you just like go make that with. Can you do that with shortcuts? No, <laughs> no, because you can't do shortcuts on a lock screen. Yeah, yeah. So you see, uh, it's just it's 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 a sad situation all around. But it's more sad for Apple Music because at least Spotify tried in a bad way yeah. with a questionable result. But at least they did something. And I guess broadly speaking, broadly speaking, um, Apple Music has a problem with widgets on iOS. Mm-hmm. And I want to believe that's something they're going to do for iOS 17. We're now reached that time of year where we're saying, oh, maybe that's going to be fixed in iOS 17. And we come up with a list of 30 different items and Apple is going to do five. But really, I do believe that it's about time to have better more and better widgets, both on the lock screen and on the home screen. I think the fact that Apple Music on the home screen still doesn't have a, an interactive now playing widget, which it does offer on Android, yeah. I think that the lack of that widget on iOS is ridiculous. I think if the rumors are true that there will be interactive widgets for iOS 17... That might be why there isn't anything good right now. Because Probably. realistically, a music widget is best when it is interactive. Right? Yeah. Like, yes. 
Yes. Just a just an image of like a, a widget of like, hey, here's some music, you know. Like I'm, I'm not mm. sure how good that is. Yeah. But like one where you can play pause, maybe skim about a little bit. That's better. I I don't know if you caught this. Well, I don't want to call it drama, but this little um, super mini excess sized controversy. Uh, you see, have you, you you must have seen. I mean, you do the rumor roundup with Jason. Uh, you've seen Mac rumors lately. Post all these details from this leaker in the Mac rumors forums. Yes, right. I've been yes. yes okay. they've been filling up rumor roundup over the last couple yes. of weeks with this stuff. Yes, and did you see last night? I believe on Mastodon, Mark Gurman tell Mac rumors a lot of information I've seen from this person is just incorrect. Ooh, I did not see that. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. Drama. I saw that. Love I it. saw that. I saw that. So I want to see what happens on that front because this person on the Mac Rumors forums has been posting a lot of info. It seems like it's it's all happening all at once. And then I just I just saw it, and and it was actually like a reply from Mark to somebody else. I don't remember who. I don't Pretty see sure it this was on, Mastodon. on Mark's uh, Mastodon. Was it, was it on Twitter? Because I still keep an eye on Twitter from time to time, even though I don't tweet. Mark. I don't think Mark is very active on Mastodon. I think he Did had I a dream bad this? experience. Because it's also possible that I dreamt this. No, here it is on Twitter. Many okay. of the details I've seen from this account are not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Ooh. That's it. Yes. And then Joe Rossigno, a friend of the show, says, which ones, just so we can update if necessary. And then no reply. And then no reply. See, that's, dun, dun, that's, dun. Yes. It's like, wait for my newsletter. Yeah. It, you know? I'm going to power on and then you'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with all these iOS rumors, but this is something worth keeping an eye on. Um, anyway, yes. So Spotify on the lock screen, which, by the way, um, uh, on the pro show, we spoke about uh, wh- where can people first of all, where can people get the pro version of Connected? Very good pro version today, where Federico talks about his uh, productivity apps, his to do yes. apps that he's using right now. You can go to getconnectedpro.co. And you can mm-hmm. sign up $5 a month or $50 a year. You get longer ad-free versions every single week of this show, plus a ton of other benefits of being a Relay FM member. If you ever hear us say from the Discord, the Discord is a Relay FM yes. member perk. You get access to that if you sign up for Connected Pro and you help support this show at getconnectedpro.co. Yes. Thank you, Mike. Um, as part of my sort of, uh, I called it teaching in the wilderness, mm-hmm. like the past six months of my life, reevaluating all the things I use, both hardware and software and services. Um, you know, I've tried a lot of things, and, and one of the aspects that I'm still uncertain about, uh, unable to make a decision, is the you know the the eternal uh, debate. Spotify or Apple Music? I've been using Spotify since January 1st. Um, I don't love Spotify. See, that's the thing. I don't love Spotify. I don't love the app. Uh, I, I don't love the lyrics, the, the way that real-time lyrics work. I don't love that it doesn't have lossless and high-res lossless like Apple Music. Um, I don't love that it keeps showing me podcasts I should listen to. Mm. But the search and the recommendations and the playlists are excellent. And then, of course, everything else about Apple Music I prefer and I like better. I like 
the design. I like the focus on music. I like that I can use third-party clients like Marvis, for example. Um, I'm still unable to decide here. I, I don't know what else is more important for me. Uh, is it the intelligence and the recommendations and the and the fast search, or is you know Apple Music's uh, everything else? No, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about this. I'm. I don't know. Honestly, I, 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 right now, I'm like alternating between the two and I still don't know what is better for me. I feel like one of the simple things to Spotify is just like, do you want new music? And and like I know some people might think that is a stupid question that I've just asked. No, it's not. It's not. Right? No, it's like really I not. think people would think it's stupid in the other sense of like, well, why wouldn't you? Mm. Right? Well, I am in the like, I don't, I'm good. Like <laughs> I got my bands and then I have you and John. And yes. my wife, Adina. That's where all my music comes from. See, the bands I already know or these three people in my life that tell me I should listen to something. Like, yes. I'm in my mid-30s. Like, I'm good. Right? Like, I have enough. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good with music, you know? And and little bits pop in every now and then. I saw there's a new Foo Fighters album coming in June. Mm-hmm. I saw that today. So I'm like, great. Well, that's going to go into my library when that comes out. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's good for me. But if you're like you or like John or like Adina or probably many of the people listening to the show, you want new music. And that's what Spotify is really good at. Like really, 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 really good at. I don't... And I know Apple Music has these features, but like it's it's not as good, right? Like because this is Spotify's entire business. It's like Discover. Yes. I don't know what I'll choose, uh, honestly. If I were to guess probably Apple Music because I can still use a bunch of other tools for music discovery mm-hmm. whether it's reading music websites or using Music Harbor and like all these other utilities for discovering music but we'll see I don't know I don't know Did you see you obviously saw I saw this the images of <laughs> Tim Cook with the Mac SE It's such a lovely I've seen both the images and the video There's a video there's a video version of this. I have not seen oh, the video of this. Oh, uh, let me find this. Find I saw this video it. for me. Uh, did I mark this as a favorite anywhere? Is this There's another a, like dream? A proper... did, is there actually a video? No, 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 no. This is actually... Um... So okay, this was at video. the opening of a new store, the Apple BKC store in Mumbai. It's another very beautiful Apple store. Apple put out like a newsroom post about it. And it is just, again, once again, a stunning piece of architecture that that they have been able to pull together with this beautiful new Apple store. But at this Apple store opening, Tim Cook was there as he tends to be, you know, on his little tours around the place. And a customer brought a Macintosh SE to the store for Tim to sign. And Tim Cook's face, when he sees it, is yes. absolutely incredible. I saw somebody say, I don't remember, oh, oh, this video is incredible. See the video is the perfect. This it's video like is a, so good. Yeah, I'll it's put a that proper in the CNBC video. It's like a TV video. So, like, yeah. And I saw someone say that, like, this is maybe the most ex- like the most emotion they've ever seen Tim Cook give and i i agree and what i like about this is like 
he seems genuinely excited about the fact yes. that this guy bought a Mac S, a Macintosh SE. I think I saw yeah. John Gruber say like these things weigh like eighteen pounds. Just like poor <laughs> dude has just been carrying this thing around all day, standing in a line or whatever. This is so great. Like oh, I love this. This video is excellent. Tim Cook is a real sport about this one. I think like really like gives yes. this guy a moment, right? Like yes. that's like spent like we're watching this video now. He's like taking pictures with him, like. This is fantastic. This is very heartwarming. I love Tim Cook. What can I say? Yeah. I think I saw someone say, I saw this on Mastodon, I think, recently, that like Tim Cook is now the longest serving CEO. Yeah, there was a few, a couple of days ago at, uh, I want to say 4,500 something days. Yeah. Um, that's uh, how's, What's that in like 12 years or something like that? Something but, like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I, I, I would like to offer you a mental image, Mike. Give it to um, me. Try and, try and uh, compare in your mind this Tim Cook face with Tim Cook waving the checkered flag at the F1 race. He didn't want to do it, you know. Like he, he, did, he clearly did it, and it, it, I don't think anybody checked with him beforehand. He wasn't that's, happy about it. That's the range yes. of Tim Cook's expressions for you. <laughs> They should have had him throw an SE onto the track. <laughs> now, maybe that would have done it, you know, like that's what he wanted. Uh, just to let you know, passionate ones, even just from the people listening live, Stephen has just sent us a text message saying, what have you done to my mentions? So please Perfect. keep it up. Remember Perfect. the name keep going. of your first Mac, the year that you got it in yeah. parentheses, the regular kind. Yes. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at FitBod. Getting fitter is one of those things that can have really great knock-on effects in other areas of your life that you might otherwise not expect, like having more energy, sleeping better. For me, just doing some strength training really helped combat and like tackle my RSI pains, and now I can play video games as much as I like. But all of this stuff can be really hard when you're thinking about where to get started. And that's why I'm pleased to let you know FitBud is both an easy and affordable way to build a fitness plan that is just for you. It really is just for you. FitBud has spent a ton of time and effort building an algorithm to learn about you, your goals, and your training ability, and will create a custom dynamic program based on your experience and any equipment that you have available to you. This is all kept within an app that makes it so easy to learn how to perform every exercise with the use of over 1,400 HD video tutorials shot from multiple angles to make sure that learning every single exercise is a breeze. This also integrates with your Apple Watch, Wear a Smartwatch, and apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health to help you give that full picture of your fitness training. Everybody's path is different, which is why FitBod uses this data to make sure they customize things exactly to suit you. FitBod's powerful technology understands your strength training ability, it will study your past workouts and adapt to your available gym equipment. Your training plan will maximize fitness gains as well by intelligently varying intensity and volume between sessions because if you overwork some muscles or underwork some muscles, this can negatively impact your overall results. So FitBod will track your muscle fatigue and recovery to design a well-balanced workout routine overall. 
Personal fitness shouldn't be about competing with others. That never worked for me. Like looking to other people and trying to replicate them didn't work. I didn't get the results that I wanted. And or it's just not like a great way to think about your fitness. What you want is something that will work for you. That's when it sticks and you see the results that you're looking for. And Fitbot is a great path for that, going from bodyweight workouts to kind of advancing through to different equipment that you might get access to. It really is fantastic. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive, but Fitbond is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. But you can get a massive 25% off your membership by signing up at fitbond.me slash connected. That really makes that year a fantastic deal. Go now and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me slash connected and you will get 25% off your membership. That's fitbod, F-I-T-B-O-D dot me slash connected for 25% off. Our thanks to Fitbod for the support of this show and Relay FM. So I have a, a, a tiny topic that I would like to talk about. But first, uh, let me ask you a question, Mike, to go back to the previous tiny topic of Tim Cook. Okay. Do you think that if in 30 years... I show up at the opening of an Apple store, wherever that's going to be, and I show up with a base model 10th generation iPad with an Apple Pencil plugged into the adapter that is plugged into the iPad. If I show up with that weird thing in 30 years, will I get the same reaction? Well, probably not from Tim Cook. Right. Because I'm going to assume in 30 years' time, I, he won't be that well, person. Because... Technically, it seems healthy enough. Like, technically, you could be a CEO at 90-something years old. You could be. He's 62 right now. Yeah, it could be, you know, a CEO at 92. I don't don't think he will be. But (laughs) But when you go see my boy John Turnus, who will be CEO at that point. Right, right. Do you think I will be greeted by John Turnus? You know, or, or will I be escorted out of the line? I have nothing to to. I I expect nothing <laughs> but John Turner's giving you a very warm greeting. Nice, nice. With the base tenth generation base model iPad yes. plugged into an adapter, plugged into an Apple Pencil. Because he will say, "How great you even provided me with the thing to sign this with." <laughs> you know, because the pencil is already there, and he can just sign or, the iPad. Or, I could just say, hey, 30 years later, do you now feel bad about this in hindsight? I don't, I will still, I will, <laughs> I will go to my grave defending the original Apple Pencil. <laughs> it was like you needed to be able to charge the tool from the device. There was no other way to do that at the time. You got to plug still. it in the bottom there. You know what I mean? But still, I mean, look at it. You know, uh, anyway, 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 okay. It's, we don't need to talk about that. It was okay. just a thought, a thought exercise. Okay. So the title of this topic, and you will appreciate, I hope, the uh, alliteration or how do you call this as a figure of speech? Assonance, I, don't know. I think. As- thank you. Oh my God. Yes. You know English. I appreciate you. Uh, teaching needs teaching. Okay. Mm-hmm. The idea being that now that I'm a Mac user again, I need tips. I need recommendation. I want to know from from you, from the people, from everybody. Okay. I need good Mac apps and utilities. Like, and I'm and I'm referring to like, uh, like the the little known third party stuff. Okay. Like little utilities, little hacks, whatever. I'm gonna give you some context because I'm I've, I've been building up my portfolio, my collection again. Okay. I have some that I want to mention. I mean, of course, I'm using Raycast. That's, you know, the thing everybody's using these days. It's a launcher. Um, 
uh, uh, to answer Emma in Discord, yes, I signed up for a setup subscription. Yep. Um, so that's that's actually been a great way to discover some of these uh, Mac utilities, like just browsing through the setup gallery. That's been fantastic. Some of the other things I have, of course, I have better touch tool. That's what I'm using to, you know, remap some keyboard shortcuts on my Mac, to assign some custom actions to trackpad gestures, for example. That's what I'm doing. I'm gonna get a little deep into the into the the the, the lesser known stuff now, Mike. Okay. Neptunes. I have no this idea. is a little this is a little utility that sits in the menu bar and and mirrors what I'm listening to either in Apple Music or Spotify to my last FM account. It's a scrubble. Oh, it's a scrubble tool, it's baby. A scrub, it's a scrubble tool. It's scrubble a scrub, it up. Scrubble it up. All day scrubbling, never never without scrubbling. Uh, the Neptunes. Very, very good. Is that all uh, it does? It just scrubbles? Well, no, it's it's got some keyboard shortcuts. It's got some keyboard shortcuts. Uh, you you can love you can love tracks. You can uh, you can uh, play pause. It's it's very it's got multiple themes. Like look, it's actually very good. It's a, it's a very good Mac app. Okay. Um, next one. I was missing the way that uh, the all tab um, sort of uh, switcher works and looks on Windows. And there's a, an equivalent third-party utility for Mac called, well, Alt-Tab, oh, which okay. is like, it's like Command-Tab, but it's not just icons, it's also got previews of preview. the Windows. Yeah. That's good, actually. It's very good. It's I very, like look, that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this tab open for myself. We're going to talk about this at some point. Like I, I am firmly convinced that Windows 11 does a lot of multitasking-related things better than yep. Mac OS Snap and iPad and OS. All that kind of stuff. And this is one of the like the alt tab switcher. Uh, this there's a macOS equivalent. Um, also speaking of multitasking, lasso, Ooh, like like nice. Ted. So this is a brand. This is a relatively new like indie uh, multitasking um, enhancement that allows you to resize windows on macOS by drawing the area you want the window to occupy on screen. Mm. It's easier to understand what it does by going to the website and seeing the, like, the, the images and the GIFs in action yep. than hearing me talk about it. Let it's me, let me, very let me good. ask you something. What do you think yeah. about the icon for Lasso? I don't even remember the icon. What's so if the you icon? go to the website, there's a guy got a little icon. Ah, it's like, it's the... <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit unfortunate, I think. Wait, why is that? A so I see it as like a small, little small fav icon in my Safari tabs here. It looks like, it looks like the icon's wearing like a thong. Oh, 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 yeah. It's not great. Well, not great uh, well <laughs> now I mean, like you, you do you oh, icon, God. you know, like if that's what you're looking for, you go for it. But uh, like, yeah, now I, I don't know. No, <laughs> I don't know, God. man. Oh, God. I don't well, know, man. So anyway, <laughs> but you, you just had to mention this. Uh, yeah. Well, look, if I'm going to have to see it, everyone else is going to have to get it in their heads too. Why should I suffer in silence? So the, the good thing is uh, you never see the icon. You can, you can hide the icon from the dock. And I use bartender, of course. So I never see it in the menu bar either. Uh, just to, and, and I'll tell you, I mapped the keyboard shortcut for it to my... Um, Logi lift 
vertical mouse. Oh, that's yeah. so smart. It's super smart because now I can just hit my thumb. I'm doing this yeah. now. I'm, I'm clicking. And of course, uh, Lasso supports multiple displays. So I'm just, uh, for example, I'm resizing the Safari window now with uh, the little drawing tool. I use Moom, right? Like that's yeah. the app that I use for, for window management. But I have like a bunch of just like presets that, that I use. But sometimes I want something ad hoc or like specific. Yep. And yes. I'm going to download Lasso and try this out because I really like the way this UI looks. Yeah, it's it's very nice. And the last one I'll mention, this one I got from Setup, Almighty. So this Almighty, it's like, this is a collection of macOS like, um, uh, like hacks in, I don't mean like in a way that it's like the, it's hacking your computer, but you know, like those terminal commands that allow you to like enable a flag, like those, uh, what are they called? Like those, those commands. P list, P. No, like, uh, you know, like when you got to use a terminal command to, I don't know, like show hidden files or like show right. extensions, whatever in Finder. It's like a collection of those configurations, I guess, for macOS with a UI, with like a proper UI. Huh. And it's so well done. You can choose which ones to enable. You can choose which ones to mark as favorites. And those favorites you will find as like one-click toggles in the menu bar. Can you tell me what kind of things you're doing with this? Yeah. So, for example, uh, the toggles that I have now, one is enable dark mode. So, like, I click on the menu bar icon and I just enable dark mode. Mm. Another is show desktop icons. So, on demand, defaults. Thank you, Vince. Those defaults commands. That's what I was referring to. That's a bad name for what these things are, right? It is. It is a bad name. So, <laughs> the other one is uh, show desktop icons. If I need to take a video or a screenshot or something, and I can just choose to show or hide all the icons on my desktop. And that's one click away in the menu bar. Then I got another, uh, visualize keystrokes. So again, if I'm recording a video and I want to show what keyboard combination I'm typing, this lets me do it. Oh. Uh, show live camera. This is a fantastic one. You flip this toggle and a little circular preview of your webcam pops up in the bottom left corner of your Mac. So you can quickly check. Why is that a thing the Mac can just do? I don't know. Right? I don't know. Why is that like a thing? That's weird. I don't know. I don't know. So like almighty. And just today, just as of today, uh, I got a, a, an update notification via setup. And almighty was updated with something else that I loved from Windows, which is a dock window preview tool. So that when you hover with your mouse over an icon in your dock, you get a thumbnail preview of the of all the open windows for that application on your computer. This also feels like those two things you just mentioned, they feel like things that these dev the developers built, right? Rather than yes. being. But this sounds like a great little set of utilities. Yes, it's a set of utilities and, you know, especially this dock preview tool. Uh, it's something else that I love from Windows. Like you can preview windows from the dock uh -huh. and close them uh, from the dock. S super nicely done. But these are like, five things or six things that I have on my Mac, I need more. Mm. You see? I have four for you. Okay. There are some overlaps with the things you were talking about. Like one of mine is an app 
And I'll just say all of these that I'm mentioning, I got all of these from Setapp as well. Setapp has been and is a sponsor of Relay FM shows. I pay for my own Setapp subscription. Oh, yeah, me too. I signed up last night. Um, and I I like Setapp for these kinds of apps. Like, there's loads of them on there, and it's just very easy to find them, and then you don't have to bother with, like, getting different licenses. So, like, I like it for that. They are not a sponsor of this episode. I wish they were, because, like, it would have fit very nicely with the content. But yeah. <laughs> they're not. But I recommend it. Uh, so, one of mine is an app called Hand Mirror, which Ooh, is... yeah. It's a menu bar app that can give you... A, just a quick preview of the webcam that you have so you can see yourself if you're about to go into a like a video call or something just like a very quick you just tap it and it pops up and if you have one of the uh, Macs with a notch you can just move your mouse under the notch oh, that's nice and it'll okay. pop it down so I like that one uh, Clean Shot X oh I love this one yes, it's I the best the best is if you use a Mac you should have this app like I cannot speak highly enough about this application. It does everything regarding capturing screenshots, videos. It's so simple to use. Everything is built better than Apple's tools. It's all more visible. It's a little easier. Like, for example, if you take a bunch of screenshots, you can have them just all stay in that little preview area until you're done with them rather than go away like they do on the Mac. Uh, the scrolling capture I use a lot, and they have an auto-scrolling feature. So you want to capture like a, a large piece of an app or a web page or like whatever, and you've got to scroll it. You just draw the area, press auto-scroll, and it'll just scroll until you stop. It's fantastic. I love that. There, you mentioned about like one of the things you like from the the uh, Almighty app was to show and hide desktop icons. That's also a feature in CleanShot. So you can just yeah. have it automatically show or not show your desktop items and you're taking screenshots. If you ever take screenshots or videos on your Mac, you should be using CleanShot. Um, I'm going to recommend two others to you, Federico, which don't do things you've mentioned previously. One is called Drop Zone. Uh, Drop Zone okay. is a menu bar app. This has been around for a long time, I think. Yes. Drop Zone, yeah. Yeah. And you can configure it to basically, if you're dragging and dropping a file, is like, here's like a bunch of places you might drag and drop a file to. Mine is very simple, like what I have it set up for. Um, my Drop Zone has my receipts folder where I have to save receipts for my accountant. Um, I have an, uh, an action to zip files that I drag to it. And the easiest one for me is AirDrop because like, AirDrop is just like not as simple as I want it to be. Yeah. Right? It's like you've got to do the thing. You've got to go, oh, go to Finder, press the AirDrop thing. You've got to right-click and then share. And then it, no, I don't like it. So I take a file. I drag it over the drop zone icon, drop it on the AirDrop icon, and it just opens up the AirDrop sharing mm -hmm. thing and lets you share it. But you can set a bunch of things here. Like if you're uploading to an uh, SFTP or FTP server a lot, you can do that. Um, you can do URL shortening with it, and you can configure that. Um, there's like a bunch of things that you can set up and I'm sure someone like you who's very like um, resourceful would be able to find a bunch of different things that you might want to share files to and this is a good way to do that you know like if you had you could have a folder that Hazel's watching for something right mm. you could drag it into drop zone it'll take it into that folder and then it's going to Hazel's going to do whatever it's going to do to those set of files when they're dropped in you know like rename them or move them or something it's just like a really good way to get files from somewhere on your Mac to literally anywhere else without needing to open a bunch of windows or whatever's going on. Uh, and my last one is Popclip. Mm, yes. Popclip 
on the face of it, does something which I think is very useful, which is when you select text, it gives you the copy-paste actions from iOS and, Mac and uh, iPadOS. You know, like, so you select text and it pops up over the top, so you can copy text easily if you're used to that. I like it because I'm used to that, but it also has extensions, so you can do things with the text. So I have a couple installed that I really like. One of them is to title case the selected words. So, mm -hmm. and it's also contextually aware. So it doesn't give me the title case action unless it's like just text that is able to change. So I can select the text, press the title case button that appears, and it will just change all of that to title case for me. They have a chat GPT action. So you can select <laughs> text, really? tap the chat GPT button, and it will just add in the response. So like they have an example of um, a sticky note that says, how tall is the Empire State Building? And they select it and it just pops it in. And it says, when was it built? Just pops it in. It's very smart. It has like converting markdown to uh, HTML, uh, copying links cleanly. Like uh, they have a bunch of uh, extensions for different apps. Like select text, create a fantastic account entry. There are tons and tons of extensions for this application. Uh, I think it's very smart of just like a, a way to select text and have a visual prompt to do something mm. with that text. So that's like another one that I recommend. Very nice, very nice. Okay. So okay. I'm going to suggest probably is a good way for people to send this stuff in so everybody can benefit from it is to go to connectedfeedback.com. So if you have app suggestions for Federico and for the passionate ones, if you go to connectedfeedback.com, you get to send it in as follow-up or something. Uh, and we will be able to look at those on future episodes of the show. And then everyone can benefit from the collective mm. uh, passionate Wis Mac users. Wisdom. The wisdom yes. of the passionate ones. Yes, that's a great idea. I saw an article on The Verge today mm. about the possibility that Google will announce the folding pixel phone that they've been working okay. on next month mm. at mm. Google I.O. on yes. May 10th. And these leaks are also suggesting it will be available in June. Okay. So this is quoting from The Verge. You should expect a closed book style 5.8 inch phone that folds out to a 7.6 inch tablet powered by Google's Tensor G2 processor starting at Upwards of $1,700, which is mm. so expensive for yes, a Pixel phone. So form factor-wise, okay. it's like the Galaxy Fold in like screen, yes. apparently screen on the outside, folding screen on the inside, yep. but smaller. Kind of like the outside is more phone-shaped, so it's like smaller mm -hmm. and more squat, right? Like it's a 5.8-inch phone on the outside where like the Fold has always kind of struggled with those dimensions. Uh, a CNBC source claims it will have a 24-hour battery, up to 72 hours in low-power mode. I bet, by the way, that like what's not reported is 24-hour battery if you're only using the external screen. Okay. That's, that's how I read that, because 24-hour battery is a long battery, and I feel like you could do that because you can have double the battery if you have double the phone. Of but course. that's not going to work if you're using the 7.6-inch tablet all the right. time. 
That's how mm-hmm. I assume this is going to be, but we'll find out. Actually, this is really interesting. Like that that Google are going for it. Like the next version of Android, Android fourteen, which is already in. This is like the weird thing that Google do compared to what we're used to with Apple. Like so, Google I/O is in May, but the first public betas for Android fourteen are already available. Yes, which it's is like, like the opposite of what absolute we're used to. opposite. But as you would imagine, they hold back things for Google I/O. Yep, um, and. So I thought this was interesting. I also thought, how funny would it be if this comes out before the Pixel tablet that you spoke about last year? Well, it seems very likely at this point because that tablet is nowhere to be seen. I wouldn't be surprised if they if have announced. both. It's both, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, that they're doing these together because it would be absolutely wild if this beats that out. Well, and also, and also it would be the perfect opportunity to, to sort of retell a new tablet story for Android. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you are, if you have both a dedicated tablet and a phone that could sort of fold open into a mini tablet, yeah. that's a perfect narrative to say. And look, the kind of tablet experiences you can now offer on Android 14. Right. Yeah. Um, be, because historically, that's been one of the weak points of Android and sort of the Android ecosystem as a whole. You know, when you compare Android tablets to you know, you may not like the latest version of multitasking, but, you know, iPadOS, uh, just the, the, the developer adoption of dedicated tablet UIs, it's much, much stronger on iPadOS than it is on Android. And so this would be a great opportunity for Google to reboot their tablet efforts and say, and we are so committed to this that we have a tablet and a foldable phone that also uses the same UI when you open it up. Mm-hmm. I think that would make a lot of sense. I think you're right, and that might actually be one of the reasons why this tablet has taken as long as it's taken, mm-hmm. because they've been working on this for 14. But that does beg the question for me of why did they show it off at Google I.O. last year? <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> no one can answer that. No. Or at least no. not us. Maybe they can answer that on Material. Go check out Material on Relay FM. Mm, Maybe they can answer yes. that question. But like, I don't. I don't understand why they did it because I'm still remaining intrigued by that that tablet, right? Because it has the base that we were talking about on the show before where you can plug it, it in and yes. it becomes like a hub Nest Max thing or whatever they call them. Which now. supposedly is also what's going to happen. Well, uh, Apple will probably have a similar product in the future. It's not clear if it'll be an iPad with a docking station or just an all-in-one accessory. But that sort of experience of a HomePod with a proper screen, iPad-like screen, could be in the cards for Apple too. I would be surprised if um, it was just a docking station for an iPad, personally. Me too. I think, like, here's another device we can sell you. Seems more mm-hmm. likely to me than here's a docking station we can sell yes. you. But we don't know what the next few years hold when it comes to iPads and Macs and all that kind of stuff, so who could tell, mm. right? Maybe you yeah. just have one device and like sometimes it's a Mac and sometimes it's a HomePod. That seems I mean, imagine chaotic. That. Imagine that. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's just like, oh, well, I need my iPad to do my work, but like now my family's listening to the music on the hub thing, so I guess I'll just have to wait. Um, sorry, family, but I need my I need my speaker back because it's also a computer. It's what? Um, uh, are you going to let me let me ask you this? You are going to America in June. Mm-hmm. Are we gonna go check out the the Pixel phone f- Pixel Fold at a Google 
Is there even a Google store? Is there? Do they have Google stores? Uh, yes, I've been to a Google store in Chicago. Okay. Um, we probably have one in London, but I don't know. You do? I, mean, I don't Google know. Store. I have no idea. Um, if we haven't seen it before, then yeah. I mean, I, I hope that we would get to to see it somewhere when mm. we're in America. That would be pretty great. I, okay, Google Store London showed me nothing. So Okay, so you don't have a Google Store. Um, are you interested in, the, in in this phone? Like as a thing you want to own? Um, it's just complicated. I mean, I will probably be as interested in this as I am every single time Google does one of these things, which mm, is I'm always yeah. interested, right? Yes. But history has shown me that I will get it and I will use it for a few weeks and then yes. I won't use it anymore until there's something yes. else specific that I want to use it for, right? That has been my experience yes. as well. Yes. We have all fallen prey to this. So, realistically, I would like to try one, but I will not buy one, but I will be interested. Um, The thing that is different to me here from, say, the original Fold and the original Z Flip was those were products that I wanted to buy and use because I wanted to understand what this kind of form factor meant. But, like... Google are not changing the game here. This is just their version of what Samsung's already been doing and I have spent a lot of time using. So like th- that kind of curiosity isn't there the same. It's more just like how would Google do this? But I don't think that I personally need to have a ton of experience with that myself that I can't just glean from you know, trying it out for 10 minutes and then watching some videos mm-hmm. and listen to some podcasts about people that will use it every day because it's not a new form factor. If Google came out with something and it was like a brand new form factor, uh, yeah, I probably would buy one if I thought yeah. that this was a thing that was going to change technology in the future, which I do still believe that like, you know, in 2027 or whatever, we'll be talking about Apple's foldable device or, you know, so like that was why I was really intrigued about the original kind of form factors from a reputable company. And so I you know I'm always going to remain interested there and I just like in general I'm interested in what would a uh pixel version of a folding phone be and what would Android be on the like mm-hmm. primary device for this yes. that is made for this. But that's probably where my curiosity will end, unless they surprise me in some way. What do you mm. think's kind of saying today, like a month before they would show off? Yeah, I don't know. I f- I feel I feel the same way, and I'm mostly intrigued. Like, what's the Pixel sort of vanilla Android version of this product, right? Uh, is there anything that Google can do here to sort of shake up maybe the multitasking story, right? Uh, we, we've seen we've seen Microsoft, we've seen Samsung, we've seen other smartphone makers each offer sort of their own take on, okay, here's what you can do when you have when you have a foldable form factor. What's the sort of what, what's the Google way? to do this. Um, that's what intrigues me a lot. Probably not gonna... I don't think I'm gonna... Like you said, I don't think I'm gonna buy this phone because I've been burned here before. I don't... I don't really like Android. I understand why a lot of people do. I like 
Windows more, more than I like Android. If I were to pick a non-Apple operating system, I would pick Windows over Android any day in terms of like what's interesting for me. Okay. Um, but uh, I am also very much fascinated by Google in, in, in right now for for three reasons. One of them being what I just mentioned. What's their take on the tablet UI and the foldable UI? The second one is what are their next goals for computational photography? How further can they push what a pixel phone, what a pixel device can do? And three, in some ways, they feel like in the AI race, they feel like the underdog right now with Google Bard compared to ChatGPT. And I really want to see what they do on that front. Because in theory, they shouldn't be behind. And yet, it feels like they are. And so for these three reasons, I'm paying attention. But at the same time, I'm not going to buy this product. Yeah, I, my expectation is that Google I.O. will have a couple of hardware announcements and then otherwise be focused on consumer AI tools, right? Mm -hmm. Like if they're doing anything other than that, they're wasting the time of everybody watching, in my opinion. Like for what Google should be doing at Google I.O. this year, uh, every product that they show should have some kind of AI integration. I, I heard on a podcast recently, um, uh, Sundar Pichai was on uh, Hard Fork, which is a podcast yes. that I like. And he said that uh, Bard is using one of their more kind of uh, rudimentary models mm. and that they're upgrading it. They're going like, to continue to upgrade it, which is intriguing. Like It seems yes. like they're a, bit, they're a bit like, they're nervous um, they are. They've yes. got a lot. They've got more to lose than anybody else in this fight. So, I kind of get it. I I do feel like I don't. I know we were talking about this stuff recently, but like as the further we're moving down this path, anyway, I don't think these are for search. I think we've learned that now. Like mm -hmm. for web searching, like to replace web searching, I don't think that's what these models are good at. Like, I think they're good at like content creation and like co information creation and gathering. Um, more than they are like, hey, find me a holiday, you know? Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. This episode is brought to you by Electric. Turning a small business into something larger, into an empire, takes work. It takes effort. You have to keep your ear to the ground. You want to stay on top of things that are going to help you take your company to the next stage, to that next level. But this can be hard to do when your attention is being pulled in tons of different directions that is the reality of running your own business. The team over at Electric knows small businesses, maybe like yours, face these kinds of challenges. That's why they're on hand to help with the time-consuming parts of your business, like standardized device uh, security with best-in-class device management software so you can implement best practices across the board and be ready to scale, employment onboarding and offboarding that's done for you, saving you an average of eight hours per request, by keeping a single point of visibility into your IT environment to control your devices, networks, and applications. Simplified reporting that allows you to achieve and maintain compliance. Compliance, man. You've got to stay compliant with compliance. And proactive IT recommendations and automated workflows to make IT easy to manage for even non-technical users. If you're hearing this and you think your company could use some of the above services, but you're not sure where to start, Electric's experts will guide you through the process of establishing standardized IT processes for your organization. All of this stuff is important to do, 
and time-consuming and difficult and takes you away from the thing that you should otherwise be doing. You didn't start your business so you can manage IT for the people that are working with you and for you. That is why you need electric. That's why this stuff is important. You know, for me, I want to be able to focus on what I'm doing every day and what I'm actually good at. It's not this kind of stuff. For connected listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash connected. That's electric.ai slash connected. Go there right now and get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show and Relay FM. Mark Gurman is reporting that Apple is developing a large selection of apps to work in their headset, as mm. you would hope, right? Yes. Uh, and that a lot of them and some interface elements may look similar to how they operate on the iPad. Now, hmm. I want to read you a list of the stuff that Mark is reporting. This list was provided by The Verge, not directly okay. to us, but they wrote it and they did a good job of summarizing it, so I'm going to quote it. So, the upcoming headset will receive optimized versions of system apps like Safari, Calendar, Contacts, Files, Home, Mail, Maps, Messages, Music, News, Notes, Photos, Reminders, Stocks, and Weather. Basically, all of the apps that Apple seem to consider make the core set built into an operating system. Yeah. Right? This is all of it. I mean, there's other stuff we're going to mention in a minute, but like these are like the... You need this stuff to be a proper OS in Apple's eyes. Okay. Stocks, especially stocks. Hey, look, we can make jokes about it, but they put that thing everywhere. So they, cl mm -hmm. you know, whether me or you agree, they think it's important, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, stocks, yeah. I don't know why I need my stocks in VR. I also don't know why I need my stocks on my watch. Yeah. But they're there. Yeah, I mean... Apparently, uh, Apple is at 167.96 right now, according to what's available on my watch. Well, that's useful information to have. Now, imagine that in VR. In VR, I can have my stocks. I can I can be in the charts. You, you, yeah, you, yes, you could. I can you jump can inside. I can be in the chart. Jump inside, look around. Yes, okay. There is a question about how these would be tailored to this operating mm. system. Like, so... One of the things that Mark says, versions of FaceTime and Apple TV with features that will, quote, look similar to their iPad counterparts. I do, I'm, I'm okay. assuming that this probably encapsulates all of these apps. Okay, so I, ha I have questions and thoughts. And I think we should start from the very fundamental question here, which is when you're working with the Apple headset, which totally are, well, kind of unrelated, but are you a believer, Mike, in the Reality Pro name? I don't like it. Me neither. <sighs> but like... It's boring enough that they're probably going to use it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're asking me, do I think they're going to call it Apple yeah. Reality? Yeah. Probably. I mean, like, I don't like the name, but be, I'm being honest. Like, I've you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this as you have, as we all have. I don't have a better name. Yeah, me neither. Like, oh, it's not so. good, but I don't have a better one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're on the same page. So, I, so the the fundamental question is: Okay, so we know 
that you're going to have traditional, quote-unquote, traditional experiences, right? Like uh, you're going to have a web browser, you're going to have a calendar, you're going to have your email, you're going to have messages. Okay. The fundamental question here is, from a design perspective, are these going to be traditional window-based experiences? Or... Are these going to be 3D interfaces? What is that? What's a 3D interface? Right, right. Okay. So when we spoke about my experiences with VR headsets, one of the things we covered is, and and you also uh, spoke about this on Cortex Mm -hmm. with Gray, the idea of working in VR and doing traditional computing in VR. So when when we covered this, I, I spoke about my experience with Windows, which is... Uh, you can view your computer screen and have virtual displays in VR. But when you're looking at those apps, those are still 2D projections, right? You still have a rectangular window, right? Which is a flat window. It's a flat surface that you can see in front of you. Maybe it's curved, but bear with me. It's still a 2D type of information. You have a box, which is a window for the application that you're using, right? You just have multiple of those rectangles in front of you. That's how you do computing. They could do this, right? They could just do, they could just say, well, imagine the iPadOS interface, imagine stage manager, but in VR. We're going to talk about this in a few minutes. Or they could also do, well, if you have a VR environment, imagine if the interface for an app was like around you. I guess what I'm referring to is the difference between looking at an app versus being inside the app. And the second one is more weird and difficult. And it's not something that anybody has done at this point, and I don't think Apple will do it. I'm just posing the, the proposing the, the the idea here. I don't think Apple will do it. I think Apple will go for a more traditional approach, which is the stage manager UI, but in 3D, which we're gonna talk about in, shortly. But just for the sake of our imagination, imagine if I don't know. I, I'm gonna get weird for a second, but okay. Imagine if, like, files, right? Imagine if your file manager, you were literally standing in a field of files and folders all around you. Or imagine if you were literally standing, I don't know, in a, on top of a box with all your documents. Or, I don't know, you see, like, try to move away from the idea of a 2D representation of a window but in VR, and instead try and think, what if you actually designed an operating system from scratch in 3D? Because the computing that we've seen so far in VR, my experiments with Windows, for example, those are literally just your computer screen, mm-hmm. but in VR. It's like you, t- you have taken traditional computing and put it in a virtual television in a VR space. And that's fine. And that works. 
but it could also be, I think it would be fascinating over the next few years to actually say, well, what if the OS was designed as a 360 degree sort of 3D space to begin with? That could, that could be cool. Like, we have some examples of this already. Uh, for example, FaceTime, FaceTime calls are likely going to be a virtual space with Memoji and avatars, and you're going to have a FaceTime call in a virtual space on a phone. Like, I don't think they will do FaceTime, right? I don't think they will do FaceTime in the Apple Reality headset, and that FaceTime is going to be a window with the FaceTime no, call. No, that's going to be like the 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 Horizon Workrooms idea, the, the right? two people in a room together. Yeah, That's what I'm referring to. And I think that the Apple TV app will have VR content in it myself. I, right. you know, I think that they're going to do that. So my, my question is, what is an OS that is designed from scratch for 3D? And is that what Apple has done? I think realistically, I think realistically, what we will get is a hybrid approach. I think we will get some types of experiences that are fully reimagined for 3D. Yeah. Uh, FaceTime calls, meetings, uh, some games. Uh, I could see Apple getting weird in a good way with maybe music. Yeah. Uh, Freeform, I think, is an excellent candidate for a fully... 3D rethought. Like imagine if freeform instead of staring at a window yep. that is a whiteboard, imagine if you're actually in a room that is a physical sandbox. So see a headset compatible version of its new freeform app could let you collaborate with others in mixed reality. I think yeah. that one will be like a you know, like you are in the freeform board as such and like moving things around. And that's what I what you were circling around is where I'm coming from with this. I think that there it will be and should be a mixed approach that like yes. all of those apps that I mentioned, I do not want 3D versions of these apps. Like I do not need to be inside of my calendar walking around, right? Like I'm <laughs> good to just, be. I could be, but I don't want to be, <laughs> you know, like, oh, you know, you want to get to tomorrow where well, you've got to climb down the days, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like physically climbing through the squares. Like there are, there are for VR, for AR, there will be types of apps and experiences mm -hmm. that will naturally suit to being reimagined inside of some kind of 3D. And, and I think a lot of collaborative stuff will be able to maybe lean into that a little bit more. Um, and anything you're doing with somebody else, like in real time, you could maybe find something fun to do with that. Uh, I want I want shortcuts on the Apple headset to be a physical Ruby Goldberg machine. Oh my god, can you imagine? Can you? But seriously, but can you imagine? That? You have to like pull pieces <laughs> of string from one element to another one. Seriously, like how fun them. could that be? <laughs> but like, anyway, no one really wants to work that way, though, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, like I know, these would know, be I know. fun demos. Yes. But this is less effective. This is less efficient. Where, like, what you want is to enhance where these things can make you more efficient. And mm -hmm. a VR call, as opposed to a FaceTime call or a, a, an audio call, is better in a bunch of ways which are good and important. And I think that's what they're going to focus on. Um, 
And so like that's the kind of stuff that I think would make sense, having this mixed approach. The same as like the operating system itself. I actually want the operating system to be pretty light. Like my ideal mm. is that the operating system is the is like part of it is the room that I'm in, right? That like mm-hmm. I'm not looking at a square which has windows in. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to take messages and put it over there, right? And then when I look, like physically look to the left, that's where messages is. Yes. But it's like a window of its own over there. You know what I mean? Like I don't, yes. you know, like we both use these tools where like you're bringing your apps into the headset, but it's a screen. Mm-hmm. Well, I want everything to be broken free of the screens. Yes. Like I had a conversation about this probably over a year ago now with with underscore and we were talking about widgets right and he was like well i could imagine that like you would just have widgets but you would just like stick them to your physical wall right like in the space so like you pin your weather widget to like over there on the wall and you just turn and look at that widget but it's always there like stuff like that i want to see more of that and that is like bringing these 2D apps into a 3D space rather than trying to create a 3D version of the home app where you're like flicking a bunch of physical switches mm-hmm. and stuff like that you know to- but still i mean of course that sort of th- that that idea is like the the it's the skeuomorphic equivalent of vr and we're going to get tons of third party yes. apps that work like this but at the same time, like when I say, what does it mean to design in 3D? At the same time, we should also keep in mind that the the, the design story, the software the, and the UI design story for the headset will be fascinating. Because if you don't need to recreate 3D spaces for 3D design to be interesting and a challenge for designers and developers. Because even if you keep the traditional window-based approach, in 3D, you're still going to have, uh, you're still going to have some aspects of design to account for that you, don't, you do not have on a regular display or on a phone. Yeah. The idea of depth, like a physical depth, like what kind of tools is Apple going to offer designers and developers to create la- multiple layers of an interface in front of you or around you. Like you don't need to recreate a, a, a folder full of files. Uh, you don't need to recreate a physical calendar. But even if you keep the regular window, you're still in 3D. And so what does it mean to, for example, to highlight something? What does it mean to select something? What is the VR equivalent of the focus engine for TVOS? Like, what is the VR equivalent of a parallax? I mean, eye tracking, baby. Like, I think think there will be a focus engine. Even without having to recreate fully 3D experiences, it's still going to be interesting to see how Apple is going to adapt their existing designs for 3D. Yeah. And if all they do is literally, oh, it's the iPad version, but now it's you can look at it in VR, that's boring, right? There have to be some 3D specific, specific enhancements. And there, I, I am I'm confident that there will be. Um, the idea of iPad apps, though, s- stands out to me for another reason. 
which is Gurman reports that the home screen of the headset will look largely similar to uh, the current version of iPadOS. So the, the next obvious question is, and this is something that we speculated uh, about months ago. I believe we actually talked about this last year when I was complaining about Stage Manager. Yeah. Stage Manager uh, in VR, right? We speculated months ago that everything about the Stage Manager design looked like it was something that was being built in preparation for a VR environment. Just this idea of these window previews on one side and the main window sort of swooping in from the side with a very much 3D-based animation and look. And my idea is that Stage Manager, from that perspective, makes a lot of sense as the UI to manage multitasking in a VR environment. And in fact, if this theory is correct, I actually think that I'm going to like Stage Manager a lot more in VR than I like it on my iPad or than I like it on macOS. Uh, it would explain a lot of the characteristics of Stage Manager from how Stage Manager wants to help you uh, with window placement, mm -hmm. how it insists on never fully covering something that is behind, how it doesn't give you pixel-based pre precision for resizing a window. Like all of those sort of uh, helping tools would make a lot of sense for VR. I mean, which maybe. Is I, I want to have a lot of tactility. I want to be able to pick and just grab and throw an app wherever sure, I want it, right? But you're not you're probably not gonna need the same precision that you need with a mouse and a cursor. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're gonna be more sloppy because that's just how it's gonna work in VR. It's imprecise, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think Stage Manager will make a lot of sense in that context. But let me go one lever, one layer deeper here. Mm -hmm. What do we think? And by we, I mean I'm asking you. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, the royal, it's, it's the royal you <laughs> okay. Mike. Um, what do we think of uh, this maybe sounds a little strange iPadOS as a, as a nothing but a vehicle to get to VR eventually like what if iPadOS all along it was never meant to be a, re a true replacement for macOS but it was all work that needed to be done in preparation for the headset. No, I, I think it's. I think that the horizon was too far on that. I I could imagine that there are things that they have done since mm. that are that idea. You know, like I've seen a lot of people and you like and we spoken about. This, I'm I'm not a hundred percent convinced about this idea of like stage managers the way to do it, but I could imagine how that could have been the case, right? That like they created this feature because it made sense to do it that way. And to, so then it would stretch across to other things. But I don't, I genuinely do not believe that even at the time when iPadOS was created, that Apple were seriously targeting VR. I think that that has been a much sooner thing. I'm trying to bring some theories together. Um, and I, I have a, I, I have a slightly, slightly different one. So, what if, and I'm wondering here, so you, you and Jason spoke about an upgrade 
about like uh, when Jason published his article about the the, the iPad Pro being a mistake. Mm-hmm. And you, both of you, talked about this idea of maybe up until some point, Apple was convinced that iPadOS was going to replace the Mac eventually. But then they changed their mind and realized people love the Mac. We need to go back to building up the Mac as the foundation of, of everything we do on desktop. And keep investing on on macOS, and and the Mac is better than ever, right? Um, mm-hmm. What if that? And 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 I believe Jason or you said, yeah, we we heard from from somebody who said, yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what if that happened? But then also Apple at some point over the next over the past few few years said, well, what about all this work that we've done with iPadOS? Like, what if we, now we know that we're going to put all of our efforts for traditional computing into macOS? And we know that three, four, five years from now, macOS is also going to support touch and hybrid machines. What about all this work that we've done? Well, why don't we use it for the headset? Yeah, I could imagine that there has been a point, right, where they were like, let's use this and continue developing this with the mind that we could use it in this other place. Like, yeah. Maybe I misunderstood what you were saying of like, I th- I thought you were asking all the way back to 2010. No, 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 no. I mean, iPadOS is the, the sort of the, the, the modern uh, name of... Right. Um, Again, I don't even know if it's that far back. That That's 2019... I want to say yeah. I mean, like when they changed the name that when I said iPadOS I meant when it was renamed right. to iPadOS I think at some point between the naming of iPadOS and now that yes. could have happened yes I, I don't know if okay. it would have been straight away because I, I mean maybe I'm not casting my mind back correctly but I don't even think we were talking about this kind of stuff then as like a potential I don't think uh, not in t- uh, probably not in 2019 but definitely in 2020 I think yeah so yeah so maybe we were but potentially right like I could see it like I think if there's one thing we know about Apple is that they do like to try and find ways to tie things together and to use elements in one place and somewhere else like all of ipad os right like is ultimately work started on iphone mm-hmm. and then they brought it over and then similarly you look at catalyst and swift ui right and like now we're using this stuff to then build apps and experiences on every device so like i could imagine that there was a point where they were like you know what we've done all this work and yeah this is clearly not the thing but we could yeah kind of kill yes. two birds with one stone here yes. and develop some features that will work here and will work there. Because let's be realistic, right? If Apple creates a new OS today, it's going to look more like iPadOS than macOS. Right? Mm. Like, just like yeah. how apps look and how apps work surely is closer to iPadOS than macOS, which they're not that far apart from each other these days, but they are in some key ways. And I could just mm-hmm. imagine that that's just going to be the natural thing. So like that would be the target, the, the platform I can imagine them adapting from. Hmm. Going back to this yeah. list, mm-hmm. right? 
Apple is apparently testing a camera app which would let you take pictures using the many cameras on the device, which makes sense. Okay. You'll be able to read books in VR. I don't know what that means. Books in VR. The I don't words know what are that means. around you. Is there like a physical book and you're turning the pages? Like what you, is that? You, you have a giant physical book in front of you and you you physically kick the page. I mean, I don't the, know, man. Maybe the weird books menu makes sense in VR. In VR. Uh, meditate with an app. Now, I, this is one where I could imagine Apple oh, yeah, have this... made a full-on experience. For yeah, it, right? exactly. See, yes, I agree. Yes. Like, there's no order. point making a, a meditation, not no point, but like, I can't imagine them making a meditation app where it's just like, you got a it's little a clock and you're just looking at the <laughs> clock, right? Like, no. you're going to be transported to a stream somewhere or something. Yeah. And that would be sweet. Um, yeah. We already mentioned Freeform, but Freeform is the only productivity app. The headset will also apparently support pages, numbers, keynote, iMovie, and GarageBand. Now, GarageBand, now this I, I don't know. Like, maybe we'll play Rock Band mm, or something? Like, I don't yes. know. Well, I mean, surely the, 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 the timeline editor will probably need to be like a traditional 2D editor design, but the instruments, I mean... That could be fun, you know, to if they to do play it that drum, way. If they do it that way, yeah. Because pages, numbers, keynote, I could imagine those being similar to freeform, and like you actually collaborate on them together using, and like you're in a space together working on the thing. So like it still looks like an app, mm -hmm. but like maybe you bring these into your collaborative VR calls, and you can work on these things together, maybe. Um. Apple apparently wants to make watching sports a richer experience. They bought a company many years ago called Next VR, and this company, I don't know if they still do it, but like at the time, they were using uh, VR cameras to record sporting events and concerts and stuff. And so like it seemed like Apple wanted this company for a bunch of technology they developed and for the ability to like go and record Coachella. And you could watch it on your Apple Reality mm. Pro in VR. Apparently as well, says Mark Gurman, gaming will be a central piece of the device's appeal. Okay. No, I don't know how yet. Like, uh, it does, doesn't have controllers. No. But okay. And, you know, like we've spoken about this ad nauseum on the show. Like, yeah. you know, there are experiences you can make without controllers and maybe their hand tracking is that good that it can make some interesting stuff. But if you want to be immersed in a game and you're supposed to be holding, let's just say, a gun, right? Because so many first-person mm -hmm. shooters, being able to hold a physical controller is important. Um, and so, like... But any type of game, if you're doing a Wii Sports-like game, right? Like, if you want to be holding a baseball bat, you want to at least have something in your hand. Like, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that. Like, I remain unconvinced that all gaming can be done with just hand tracking. Uh, and we can hope that there will be some kind of controller story. <laughs> Maybe you can play a first-person shooter doing finger guns. You have to make that noise every time. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'm just trying you know to someone's going to do it, right? I'm trying to imagine Call of Duty played like that. <laughs> yeah, someone's going to do yeah. that. Someone's mm. going to make that video game. But that shouldn't be the video game experience, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I want it to be a little bit more 
I don't know, well thought out than that. Yeah. Like, I don't know, right? Like maybe someone, maybe they're going to, maybe it's all going to be figured out and I'm just not seeing it yet. But at the same time, I have also said, like, and I continue to say that, like, most VR games to me feel like experiences rather than games. So, like, maybe by and large, the, like, idea of what is a good VR game has not been cracked yet. And maybe controllers are what's getting in the way, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, I'm intrigued. Uh, the, the last thing I wanted to say, I'm intrigued by this idea that Mark reported of the spatial awareness of this of this device. Mm. So the idea that like you can leave a Safari window open in the kitchen and place, say, Apple Music by the couch yep. in the living room. Yeah. Uh, this idea of like uh, different position, different placements for uh, for wind for apps. I am super intrigued by this. Um, and if you think about it, like it makes a lot of sense to tie specific apps and experiences to different places in the home. Mm -hmm. It also makes a lot of sense if this is possible in the context of HomeKit. Imagine if you're wearing the headset and you look at where a light switch would be or where uh, mm. a, a light in the ceiling would be. And if you could say, turn that off just by looking at it, because maybe somehow it's aware of the position of the accessory. Like once you, again, once you start thinking in 3D with the device that is aware of your position in a physical 3D space and of the position of the accessories around you, that's, that becomes very fascinating to imagine the potential down the road for this kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think they will do the HomeKit integration in this, you know, for, for a few years because you probably need sensors in each accessory that tell you exactly where something is. But yeah, still... But you could, I mean, but with maybe. an element of AR and LiDAR and mm. you being able to, and like object recognition, you might be able to get some of the way and then you can just tell it. You know, it's just like, oh, I want to put a light switch. Where's the light switch? It's there. And it's the last and only yeah. time you ever have to tell it that base of information. Maybe, maybe, maybe. So, uh, I don't know. This idea of uh, pinning certain apps to certain yeah. places in the home, very cool. And yeah. also, like, we know that this headset is going to have a dial to move be in between AR and sort of AR, right? So, you, you can spin the dial, AR, VR, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and move between different types of reality. Um, yeah. Is it going to automatically do that? if it recognizes that you start walking, like if I'm working at my desk, but I'm wearing the headset and I get up because I need to go grab something in the kitchen, does it automatically uh, bring me into AR mode so that I can walk without bumping into you know, the door or whatever? Could do it. I'm, I mean, I could assume it would work similar to how the PlayStation does, how the Oculus does, yeah. where like, it is aware of certain environments where you can be in full VR, but once you leave yes. that barrier, um, it's gonna it's gonna adjust it for you. Yeah, um, because that's just that. being safe, isn't it? Or maybe there should be. I'm sure there will be multiple, dozens and dozens of accessibility settings for yeah. this device, and maybe this should be one of them. Like the it's it would be the equivalent of of of. Uh, 
removing one of your AirPods and it pauses yeah. music, you know, like, oh, I just got up and I'm, you know, I'm walking, just instantly switch me over to AR. What I'm really hoping for this device compared to the MetaQuest Pro that I own is like, so the MetaQuest Pro is great because it has full color pass through. Yes. But the quality of the image is quite low. Yeah. Uh, my old Quest 2 is not color. It's black and white yeah. pass through. Actually, grayscale pass through. Yep. Um, and, and the image quality is bad, really yeah. bad. The image is very grainy, is the way I would describe yes. it on the on the even on the Quest Pro. Mm, but the okay. color really does make a difference. Yes. Like, this is the thing that I'm, I'm sure. hoping for for Apple to really nail that piece down. Like so it it looks as close to real life as possible. Again, the device will cost three thousand dollars. I kind of expect nothing less, but mm-hmm. if that's what it costs. I will say as we get closer and closer to this and we get more and more information and talk about it more and more, I'm getting more and more excited about it. Like Oh me too. Me too. And this thing is gonna be so expensive. Like But yeah, I'm excited. I mean it's it's something it's something brand new from Apple and that they have see the thing is they have invested so much time and resources into this, I can't. I, I, it, that's part of my excitement for. It's like I really want to see what you've done here, yep. because you've been building this up for so many years with so much time and so much money. I, I, I am intrigued at this point. Like I want to see what you've done. So what we're saying is, we can't wait to see what they've done with it. That's what we're saying. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Connected. If you would like to get show notes for this episode, you can find them in your podcast app of choice or also on the web over at relay.fm slash connected slash 446. You will also find links on that page to send us feedback or you can go to connectedfeedback.com to do that. If you want to find Federico Vitici online, you can go to maxstories.net and he's also on, on Mastodon. He is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I on mastodon.maxstories.net. You can find me as at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, on mike.social. And you can find Stephen as at ISMH on eWorld.social. And that's where you can send him your first Mac in the year you got it, in parentheses, please. Uh, Thank you so much to our sponsors of this week's episode, Electric and Fitbod. And thank you to our members who support us. You can join too by going to getconnectedpro.co, where you get longer ad-free versions of every episode. We'll be back next week, I believe, as a trio next week. I do hope so, which would be nice. Although, I do love these intimate episodes that we have, Federico. Yes, me too. Just the two of us. I don't know why I said the word intimate, but that's how I was feeling in the moment. And uh, I hope everyone's okay with it. Uh, (laughs) We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Cheerio.